use everything God gave you. You can do it. Bro, let's go. I know you're better than this. Be everything God made you to be. Don't quit. Don't be useless. I want to welcome you officially, but also remind you as to why the Don't Be Useless podcast is here. We are help you to we are here to help you deliver on your vision, okay? Build your confidence and help inspire you to use your God-given gifts. So one of these three things needs to be happening, or what are we here for? Today, we're focused more around the vision for your relationships, but mainly your relationships with Black Americans or white Americans. This conversation became relevant to me um, because I just don't hear a lot of conversation about what are some practical ways to maneuver in awkward spaces. I don't think there's necessarily a right way and a wrong way because we all have different personalities. We all have different ways about us that one way may work for one and it may not work for another. And so what I want to do is I want to help us kind of talk through some things together. So this is all assuming that you guys are open to this conversation. If not, I'm just going to be telling y'all all my ideas and we're just going to be, you know, we're just going to be listening to me. But the reason why I go live is because I really like hearing what you guys have to say. So if you are in the building, I want you to sound off. Tell me your name, say what's up. And I will say hello too on YouTube as always. I got a faithful little group on YouTube, but of course, until you say something in chat, I don't know who you are. Hello on YouTube. Hello on Facebook. Hello, Andrea. Hello, mother-in-law. Hello, Bill. Miss you so. All right. As folks come in, let's continue to jump in. Let me give you guys two recaps. One, I went on a momcation. Y'all know. I told y'all last Monday that that evening I was going to be taking off and going on a momcation where I took a couple of days away from family, from work, just for myself. And I told y'all, I was like, hey, I got all these books I'm trying to read. I got all these project things that I could start working on and thinking about because I'm not going to have, you know, food to cook and kids all over me and work on my back. Mm -mm." I was like, I am going to really... Enjoy this momcation. Y'all, I was in a hotel for two and a half days. It took me almost two days just to relax enough to even come back to myself. I came in way too hot. Okay, your girl was way too ambitious. Like I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna be able to think through this, whatever. I realized that with my husband recovering from surgery, with me taking on the whole ministry while he was out, in addition to what I do, with managing these things, with empowering you guys on the internet and all this other stuff, guys, I was so wound up, so wound up that it took almost two days to just calm down and to just relax a little bit. And so because of that, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give my per- myself permission to do nothing. And if you follow me on YouTube at It's Priscilla B, you are gonna see that I dropped a video with the details around my momcation. So definitely check out my YouTube channel where I broke down the things that helped me to enjoy the actual time by myself, which I was learning as I was going. Now, the second thing I'm gonna recap you guys on is 
uh, I spoke yesterday at what I would consider a white church. So the church does have some black folks, um, some Hispanic, but primarily white. And it was Round Rock Church of Christ. Now this Church of Christ church, y'all, they don't have instruments. Okay. So the pastor, he had emailed me before I went there. He's like, Hey, just so you know, you know, there's, you know, we don't bring your best acapella voice because, you know, we don't do instruments. And I think it's based off of a scripture in um, the old Testament. And I'm in no way going to challenge their beliefs around that. But I was like, okay, then this is going to be an experience because you know, growing up for me, the whole room is the choir. The band is is banging and the choir is full of relatives that I probably know, you know, relatives and people close to me. So I'm used to loud church. I've been in quiet churches. I've experienced different things in life, but I had never been to a church of Christ experience before where there's only acapella singing. And first of all, their harmony was fire. I was like, these five people are killing it up there. The one older guy who started off the singing, he was like, and when they, and then everybody came in, when and come to Jesus. I was like, oh, but then I thought to myself, if that guy would have started off on the wrong note, if he would have started off on the wrong note, it would have been a situation because they couldn't recover because there's no instruments. I was like, at least like an organ, you know, or a keyboard, like they're able to go, you know, to play, to get you back. And one on one of the services, the guy did go to the wrong verse. And I'm like, well, we just out here. Okay. We, we, we are just going to be out here because y'all don't have instruments in this church. So there's no one to help you once y'all get off key or on the wrong verse, it is finished. Okay. But no, God bless them. Hey, YouTube fam. I see Sheila Nieves. Carla, what's up? I need to check on you, see how you're doing. So good to see you guys. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Angie, my A1s. Hey, Ken. All right. So as I mentioned to you guys, um, the way that I like to do this season two of Don't Be Useless podcast is I like to make sure that I'm bringing some current event. I want to give my thoughts on things happening in the media, because I think there's a lot of voices around things, but they're not always, um, positive. And I think balance is important. So you guys know, I try to bring balance. Y'all can be as upset as y'all want to be, right? I'm here to help us navigate through these things. I'm not trying to tell you how to feel. Okay. But I do want to be able to bring, um, a light perspective to certain things. So I have something to share with you there. And then I have a couple scenarios for you guys. I want to paint some pictures for you in the workplace. I'm, I'm going to ask you to pretend as if you were in this situation. What would you do as a white person or as a black person or just as a non-black person? What would you do? And this is meant for us to kind of talk through some different scenarios that we could easily find ourselves in, or maybe we've already found ourselves in, found ourselves in around racism. And so what we want to do now, since the world is waking up and people are starting to listen to black stories, that we are able to aid each other in how we can live together more holy and truthfully and peacefully. And that is the intent of today's episode. But first, whew, 
this is one's a little bit of bad news. Y'all, NASCAR. When I hear NASCAR, I, y'all, can't judge me now. It's my podcast. Don't judge me. I think racist. As soon as I hear the word NASCAR, y'all, when my husband and I were early in dating and we were trying to do, you know, these exploratory dates, let's go to these new places and different things. And as we're trying to figure out where we want to go and little cool stuff we want to, we want to explore together as newlyweds, we've been married almost 14 years now, but newlyweds and all that, NASCAR came up and he already knows the history of NASCAR having the Confederate flag everywhere and uh, assumed to be racist people there and barely any, if at all, any black people in the, in the, uh, at the track. And so for me, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to NASCAR. I, I can't risk my life for a sporting event. No, no, sir. It was just like when I went, um, oh, I, I'll say that one for the scenario. Cause one of these scenarios at least are from my own life. I'm like, I cannot go to risk my life to watch people fly around this track. I just cannot do it. Um, Angie said, I've heard about it. Uh, and not, it's not unexpected. I'm not sure, uh, that was an experience. Yeah. So NASCAR guys, NASCAR, um, has said that they are going to be ridding or banning the Confederate flag from their events. This made a lot of people mad. And I see Carla's coming where she said, fast driving is what she thinks about when she hears NASCAR. If I wasn't a teacher, I wanted to be one. <gasps> you better drive fast, Carla. <laughs> Tasha said, it's a no for me. Look, a lot of black people view NASCAR as a very racist sport for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And then my mother-in-law said, good old boys, loud, always going left starting started as moonshiners see y'all don't know my mother-in-law is super smart she know the history on like everything she was the one i told y'all before marching in civil rights back before it was popular and she the white lady with the black people you know okay whole thing all right so they banned the confederate flag by nascar banning the confederate flag they made a bunch of people mad at the same time you're hearing a lot of nascar folks also say we are so glad that NASCAR is now going to ban anything that shows or celebrates the history of slavery. And so there is a very famous uh, black NASCAR driver. His name is Bubba Wallace. Bubba's a name, ain't it? Okay. Bubba is a name. Bless his heart. <laughs> it's a name y'all. It is a name. So, um, Bubba, someone broke into Bubba's space at a track, I believe in Talladega, and hung a noose in Bubba's space at the track. They said that the noose was found before Bubba could see it. And this has been surfaced all the way up to the executives at NASCAR, who the way ESPN is telling it, these executives are sick of the racist stuff and they are doing their part. So I'm hearing really positive things about how NASCAR is handling it. Y'all, a noose. Then today there was a plane hired by someone to drive over Talladega with the Confederate flag waving. Because why? Because Talladega cannot control the air. Can control the air. 
So there it is, the Confederate flag flying over the track. So it has been a bit of an uproar um, in certain spaces, but here's, and I'm going to bring a, put a bow on this and tie a conclusion, but first let me read you guys' comments. Uh, Andrew says, yep, I saw one of the racers said that they were quitting if he can't fly his special flag. I saw that too. A NASCAR racer said, if I can't have my credit, confederate flag you can't have me now people joke that didn't nobody know who he was so it didn't matter if he left but you know that's a whole nother thing um nascar replies back and says we had to google you they sure did nascar did reply back to this guy who said if i can have my confederate flag and nascar was like we didn't even know who you were we had to google you oh bird oh and he done he gonna have to find another job another comment says thank you for your participation trophies i'm sure your fans will miss you oh they did oh nascar lit them up uh bubba gump shrimp that's what you think about with nascar so so funny guys if nascar actually opens like really really diversifies i would love to go to a race i would love i would love to take my kids but right now i can't that's how i feel Another comment on YouTube says, wow, didn't know about the Confederate flags being there. Oh my gosh. It is ingrained in their culture um, within NASCAR and they are now uprooting it. And so you hear all the movement. Here's what I would say about the NASCAR stuff. I, um, I love seeing any organization say, we want to stand for right. Okay, whether that it's based on a Christian value or not. When they say, oh, we want to stand for right. We want this to be a space for everybody. I love it because that's how Jesus was. Jesus said, everybody should be able to come to, to the kingdom of God. This is no matter your race, creed, background, didn't matter. Jesus said, everybody's in. Everybody in, look, no matter your organization. But whenever you are going to change anything, you are going to cause friction. Think about in your own life, whenever you say, you know what, I'm about to start working out. And you know what, I'm about to start drinking all this water. Whenever you say stuff like that, your body is like, look, we've been somebody else all this time. What you mean you about to start cleaning yourself up and doing right? Your body, your mind is like, no, we're stressed. It is time for us to grab the chocolate caramel. Don't judge me. It is time to grab it. Where's your special trail mix that's just full of M&Ms? That is what we do when we're stressed. Your body immediately reminds you of who you have been. Same with organizations. When there is a change that starts to come, a lot of times people within the organization or even families will say, this is how we've always done it. Why is it that you want to change? Why? So resistance is going to happen as a part of any change. Even when you become a believer in Christ, the, excuse me, the Bible says you have to renew your mind because if you don't, your body will fight you. Your mind, you still be cussing, slinging cuss words, pew, 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 pew. Why? Because until you can push out the friction or work through the friction to freedom, you will never have it. So right now, when I think about the Confederate flag causing all this, you know, uproar and stuff in NASCAR, what I think about is friction. And if they keep working through it, 
NASCAR will succeed in having a diversified racing experience for everyone. And my hope is that they do more than just Confederate flag. My hope is that they do other things to celebrate um, all different backgrounds. My my prayers that they put up flags that represent all the countries of the racers or, you know, that they do something more proactive, right? They do something that shows a celebration of everyone. And it's not just like my mother-in-law said a minute ago, the good old boys club. Okay. It's just the good old boys. Mm-hmm. Y'all know, y'all that show was so racist. Let's move on. What show was that? Y'all remember? It's just the good old boys. Who was that? Cause I can't remember the name of it. That wasn't the name of it, was it? Y'all gonna tell me in a minute. <laughs> There's always a little bit of a delay on your comments. I'll let those come in. Don't quit. Don't be useless with we have now come to a very special part of the podcast where we're gonna get into the topic at hand. I'm gonna read to you a scenario and I want you to tell me what it is you would do. Dukes of Hazard, that's the name. That's the name of the show. Y'all, oh, TV for me growing up, I wasn't watching that. There was stuff that my parents would be like, you can't watch that. Yes, Julie and Alicia, Dukes of Hazard. They're like, you can't watch that. Just because they knew it had a lot of racist undertones and I didn't know I was a kid and thought it was cool that the garbage flying up in the air. Okay. Alicia says, laugh out loud. That's exactly what my body is saying right now. Right. Bodies fight you when you try to do right. Say that it's a struggle. Y'all, I am essentially on day one of getting myself together. And I mean it. Now, I totally have derailed this thing because I'm about to get into what would you do and you guys hang tight because I'm gonna read these scenarios and I need to know what you would do because you guys are being so amazing by being vocal today. I got this drink at Starbucks. Can y'all see this? For everyone who's listening right now, it's the mango dragon fruit. I did not get lemonade in it. So this is a very low calorie drink, but it was the one thing I got to reward myself for not eating a bunch of carbs when I woke up this morning. Look, progress. Now in seven days, when we talk again, I'm going to tell y'all how, let me write it in my next week notes. How am I doing? How am I doing? I'm going to give you guys these updates because right now I'm pushing towards my birthday in September and I would like to go into my birthday on an upward trajectory instead of a decline. Okay. Instead of a decline. So I have more to share with you guys on that. All right. So I'm going to give you some scenarios of what would you do? And I want you guys to tell me what you would do. But if you happen to have situations where you've been in just like this, I want you to also share that. Okay. Today's conversation, as I mentioned earlier, is meant to be a resource for black folks to navigate maybe racism or conversations in the world, but also for white people who listen and who follow me to know how they can best ally for black people, especially in these times. So first scenario, okay? Let's pretend you're an administrative assistant, you know? You're in a team meeting, okay? Here we go. So you're in a team meeting, and the manager comes in and says, hey guys, our, uh, the CEO just said that we need to 
diversify our team. Right now, their team is all white, this side note. And so he wants ideas from us as to how we can bring in more people into our team, into this company. So we need, I need you guys to send me your ideas by the end of the day, the boss says. Someone in the meeting, a white male around 40, says, why do we need to make any plans? Can't they just apply for the jobs like everybody else? What would you do? You can tell me how you feel when you hear that as yourself, your individual self. How do you feel? But then we'll talk through what would you do or what should you do? So again, this employee pipes up in a team meeting whenever they're talking about, hey, I need you guys to come up with plans as to how we can diversify this company and this team. And one person says, why do we have to come up with any plans to hire more minorities? Can't they just apply for a job like everybody else? What do you feel when you hear that? What do you think? Now, as a result of that question being asked, the boss or the manager says nothing. The manager says nothing. The manager just keeps talking through the next item in the meeting. No response is given to that person. So when you hear that example, I want you to tell me how you feel and what you think. All right, I see your comments coming in now. All right, Andrea says, white privilege for sure. Ooh, I hear that. And then, yep, Jeanette says, they, right? Why can't they apply for jobs just like everybody else? On YouTube, a comment comes in that says, that's ignorance speaking. It's exhausting at this point. Mm-hmm. Any more thoughts or comments? Yep, I see them coming in and I can't wait to dive into this with you guys because guess what? This happened to me. This happened to me. Uh, Ashley says, first thought, is he really, does he really have no clue? <laughs> I think partially, no, he didn't have a clue, but I think more so it wasn't an innocent question. He was clearly annoyed annoyed that he had to participate is what I gathered and his action showed me later it was true Alicia says I personally would feel uncomfortable I was she says and I would be side-eyeing the rest of the team to see if people agrees with him that's exactly what I did guys when this dropped in the room with me I am looking I'm on video call because the team primarily sat in one location but I'm on video and I'm looking around the room like Wait a minute, is somebody, is somebody gonna say something? What? And then for me, I'm thinking, well, should I say something? Because I know that if I say something right now to address him, that it could come off as quote unquote angry. The work environment that I was a part of still didn't have enough experience working with minorities to realize sometimes we're just passionate. We're not mad. We just passionate, it's not angry black woman all the time. It is passionate person. And sometimes in a workspace, it is so tempting not to say anything at all because you don't want to be deemed as that 
person over there, that black female, that woman, that difficult person to work with, that all of those things. And so you are challenged in a work environment where you are the only black person. Because if anyone steps out of line, you essentially, no pun intended, become like the police. So is it your job to only police the behaviors of everyone in your team because you may be the only black person? Or do you also need to see allies step in, in that moment and recognize when something is being said that can appear or is racist, that can appear or is racist. So I'd love to hear you guys thoughts on what I just said, but let me tell you an answer to his question in the workplace. Whenever you are a minority, or a black person, and you're going to apply for a job, most black people are looking to see who they know at that company, and they're looking to see will they be accepted at that organization. Black people care, especially, I'm talking about professional, educated black people. We are looking to see, are my thoughts going to be equal to everyone in the room? Am I going to be accepted for who I am? Do I have to straighten my hair when I come into your environment so people aren't asking me to touch it? How much of myself do I have to give up in order to make people comfortable? Because I don't feel like it's my job to make everyone comfortable, but I need them to learn to adapt to, to me the way I'm adapting to them. There's a lot of thoughts for a black person whenever they're applying for jobs. I don't care if it's in education and you're going to a school, you're checking to see how many of those teachers are black. You're checking to see if you'll have support where you go. Now, to answer the guy's question, it is a documented fact that if a black person applies for a job and their name appears more ethnic, if it's, I'll use some of my cousin's name, if it's Lamika, if it's Shaquita, if it's things like that, it doesn't matter how much education they have. It is a documented fact that their resume is is they are brought in for interviews with the same qualifications as their white counterparts, um, at least 33 to 45% less, less than their white counterparts. So if your name is ethnic, you have some things going, going against you. The other thing is that a lot of times there are not as many minorities applying for, let's say upper level jobs like engineering and, um, things like that. So that means unless that person who's hiring says, I want to see a diversity of people in front of me before I hire someone for this job, chances are when that recruiter or that manager did a search on LinkedIn or Indeed or wherever to find the people that they fit that they think fit strongest with their job, those top 10 applications or resumes will likely be from white people because they are the majority in most spaces. So unless that team or company says, I want to make sure there's a diversity of people all equally qualified to be considered, chances are the environment will stay white if it is, and it will never diversify. It will never diversify. So diversity in this country has to be intentional or it likely will not happen.
And that's not to say, oh, black people should get more consideration. No, they shouldn't. They should just get equal consideration. But it does mean effort has to be put forth. And that's why minorities can't just apply for jobs like everyone else. It's too few of them. You have to consider an even pool of candidates, same qualifications, if you want to at least give an opportunity for more diversity in your workplace. Now, you guys know I'm an expert in that field. So that that question, when he asked it, really got me fired up that day. All right. So some of the comments we have on YouTube says, I was overlooked several times for promotion because I spoke up in an instance. Yes. And that is retaliation. It is illegal. Um, whenever you speak up for something or you blow the whistle on something, if you are retaliated against in the workplace, um, it is illegal and they are not ethically able to do that. And there is a process within a lot of workplaces where you can take action, but you probably won't be working there anymore. And so a lot of times I know a lot of black professionals, especially is like, am I going to even go through that? Or do I just kind of suck it up and deal with it? And that's where I'm so grateful we have Jesus Christ um, because it is really helpful to be able to be led by God as to how you make moves. All right, Nieva said, I agree. I would feel disrespected and wouldn't know what to say because I get mad because when I get mad, my words don't come out right. <laughs> that's so good, right? For me, I was dumbfounded. Now later, I talked to my boss about it. I did. I asked her, I was like, hey, I was like, did you happen to hear this statement whenever you asked us to do this? And she was like, no, I didn't hear it. Giving her the benefit of a doubt. Let's say she didn't hear it. I don't know if anything was done about it, except next time a project was assigned, she actually asked me, are you going to be able to work with this person? Of course I can. Why would you think I'm not able to work with this person? So now I was perceived as having beef with the person because I called out the comment. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. And a lot of black people identify with this and know this. Um, uh, Nevis says, yes. One time I answered the phone and said my name. He told me he wanted to speak to someone who spoke English. Oh, Nevis is Hispanic. That is devastating. She says, it made me upset, but I stayed calm and I laughed about it. I spoke more English. Than, I speak more English than Spanish. <laughs> yes, Nieves, let them know. Put them on notice that just because you're Hispanic doesn't mean that you know mostly Spanish. It doesn't mean that. It does not. Okay, on Facebook, um, Alicia says, one of my A1s, there's a group of ladies who follow me and support me so well and their names start with A. <laughs> So I'll call them my A1s. Uh, Alicia says, I used to tell my students who had different names to use a more acceptable name. I hate that I had to tell them that, but I wanted to give them a fighting chance. I guess she's talking about in them getting jobs. What my prayer would be is that eventually we don't have to prepare people to expect to be discriminated against. Oh, she says she's referring to, yeah, on a resume. Like putting a nickname. So instead of Shaquita, she could put, you know, uh, Shaw or something like that. So it's gender neutral. I get that. I've definitely um, given the advice before like, hey, is there someone you have an abbreviated name or a middle name just to ensure that your name does not distract them from your talent? It's a real thing. It is a real thing. We're not asking them to lessen themselves. But if you know that this is that discrimination is a part of the world right now, it's just a consideration. Okay, let me give you guys another what would you do? I want to give you three. Here's a second. 
What would you do if you were at a hockey game, an ice hockey game, professional ice hockey game? It was on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. At the time of the national anthem, there was no mention of Martin Luther King. There was no recognition of his sacrifice in the country. The national anthem went on. The room stood, put their hand on their chest, and then everyone sat down. You are black. You see no other black people in the room. How would you feel or what would you think in that type of environment? What would you think? And maybe nothing. Maybe you're just thinking, oh, well, they forgot. I don't know. But what would you think if you were at a professional sporting event on Martin Luther King Day and no recognition or anything was said about Martin Luther King and you happen to be the only black person in the room? How would you feel? How would you feel as if the, um, what would you gather to be the thoughts of the organization itself? And that's kind of, you could even slip NASCAR in there. Same thing. You know, maybe the Confederate flag isn't hanging in the, in this professional ice hockey rink, but you notice it, right? And you notice that you are the only black person in there. And so you could easily have feelings about that. In this situation, for me, as I wait for your comments to come in, guys, I would feel like Martin Luther King's uh, contribution was specifically omitted from the event. I just can't see a professional organization making a mistake when they did the calendar and they saw that they'd have a game on that national holiday that they mistakenly left it out. To me, I'm like, y'all did that on purpose. You purposely did not want to bring him up. And if you did not want to bring him up, it makes me think that it would upset your audience. And if it would upset your audience, it would lead me to believe that your audience may have a high number or a large number of racist followers. That is what I would be thinking. That is what would come to mind. For me. All right. Comments on YouTube. Sheila says, typically it's not important to them. Who burn. Alicia says on Facebook, I would be disappointed that no one thought enough of this man and his contribution to mention his name. Y'all big deal. Yes. Big deal to not think enough of him or what he stood for to mention his name. Again, another situation that I've been in. I pulled from my own life today because I need y'all to send me more of your questions. Send me your questions. Email me at hello at isprisillab.com so we can bring your scenarios and different things anonymously right here to the podcast and help you navigate different things in life. Or if you know the scenario of a friend who's in a tough spot and you want us to kind of speak to their situation, which I've had before, someone gave their friend scenario or situation or a family member, and they wanted us to talk through it. And then they sent them the episode. So that way they could watch it and take the advice that all of us gave. So you guys definitely help out in supporting each other. Okay, now we're going to take a bit of a turn for a moment in dealing with uh, relationships, dating relationships. I'm about to give you a what would you do for dating relationships? 
Are you ready? You are out to lunch with your friend. Just a si- You could even say it's a sibling. This did not happen to me, by the way. This is just an example. <laughs> okay. You're out to, uh, out to eat with, you're out to lunch with your sibling. You see your best friend's boyfriend or girlfriend with someone else at a table eating. They lean over to each other and grab hands, holding hands at their table. That boyfriend or girlfriend of your friend does not see you or notice you are in the room. What do you do? What do you do? Are you, are you going over and saying something to them? Are you introducing yourself? Are you going, calling your girl saying, Hey, you know, you know, Juju over here, you know, (laughs) I don't know his name. You know, I've made this. Juju is here with some other female and they're holding hands at the table. Do you not get involved because you don't want to be put in the middle? What do you do? No judgment on your response, but this is a situation. And I've heard so many different comments about what somebody would do. All right. Tasha says, I would go over and say hi. I think if, if you went over and said hi, their response would tell you everything, right? Their response would tell you if you're, <coughs> Ooh, I should brought some water. I got a little swollen. Um, their response would tell you if they're guilty, right? Right? If they start fidgeting, if they start acting like, Ooh, I ain't going to tell them who this is I'm sitting with. If they pull their hand away from the person they're sitting at lunch with, Ooh, hoo, hoo. They would be telling on themselves. So what is it that you would do? All right, Diane um, uh, G says, I would go over and say hello. Um, she says, I would go over and say hello with that uh, with the look. Uh, agreed. Nieves says, I would take a picture of the girl and tell my friend, look, she says, I'm going to use technology. Okay. I can tell Nieves is like, I don't want to confront nobody. (laughs) She said, let me get this undercover research because once you've taken that picture, you have proof. And now this don't have nothing to do with you. You're like, look, let me just send you this proof. You can ask them about it yourself. I'm out of it. We're done. Okay. Here's what it is. On Facebook, she says, um, a comment says, because I'm semi-petty. <laughs> Have y'all heard of semi-petty? I just got to take a moment for that. She says, because I'm semi-petty, I will go over there and speak just so I can see his reaction. <laughs> because I'm semi-petty. I am done. Look, do you. Walk yourself right on over there. You know, I do think when you do that though, it definitely puts you in the middle. But for me, if it was a close friend, if it was a close friend, y'all, I'd be mad. This is, this is me. I would be mad because if I feel like you are giving somebody attention that belongs to my girl, y'all, I'm loyal like that. It looks like we all are, but I'm like, I don't think I could for me. 
I don't think I could keep myself from walking across that room and being like, Hey, Juju. Okay. Hey, Juju. And y'all know I'm already like this anyway. I talk to everybody. I don't care who you are, where we are. If you are the garbage man in the main, in the building that I happen to go to for the doctor and I see you, Hey sir, how you doing? Why? People should be able to be seen and valued. So I'm trying to say, Hey to everybody. Now, if I'm in a big church environment, I can't. And once you start saying, Hey, you trap. So that's something altogether different. But I speak to everybody and my brother, he gets some, he's like, gosh, we go somewhere. You talk, you talk to everybody. All right. Another comment says I would, um, it says that puts pressure back on them to mention it before I have to. Oh, that's true. That's true. So Tasha said on YouTube, she says that if she walks over and introduces herself or says, hi, it puts pressure back on that dude to go home and tell his girl where he was before she has to say something to her friend. Now, unless I'm friends with him too, I'm not giving him that. Unless I'm friends with him too. Okay. But that's just me. All these seem to work for me. That's just my thoughts. All right. Ashley says, I agree with the picture because word of mouth doesn't hold as much weight. That's true. They can say you was lying. And that's, this is what I wanted to get to. Why do females think that another girl is lying when she says she saw your man with somebody? I've never been in this situation, but every time I hear this conversation come up in the world, I am baffled. And how people are like, oh, you, like they attacked the girl, the messenger, instead of going for the dude who they saw. Why does that happen? Why? T says, I'm texting my friend and asking her where her man is at. <laughs> That's sneaky right there. She go text me be like, hey girl, do you know where Brian is right now? Do you know where Juju is right now? <laughs> Andrew said, yep. That's right. Hey, if you're on Facebook, make sure you hit that share button. Just want to throw that in there. I see some of you guys are sharers. Thank you so much for sharing the podcast. As always, if you're on YouTube, make sure you click over out of chat and hit thumbs up. And then you can click back into chat to join the conversation. All right. We have another comment on Facebook and it says, I wouldn't say a word. I would make sure he saw me. I would be afraid to stir up things. People get shot. <laughs> mother-in-law people get shot or beat up in the domestic situations okay I should have finished reading it before I laugh domestic situations are serious so she's saying that if let's say that the boyfriend um is in a domestically violent relationship like maybe he's the one abusing her or she's the one abusing him it happens y'all if he's the one abusing her or she's the one abusing him so when you see him with somebody else and something may go down at home. So she says, so my mother-in-law says she wouldn't say anything. Oh, that's tough. Cause if I was a bestie, Oh, you can't be my bestie. And you're not, you're not looking out. You're not looking out. And if it's domestically violent girl, you about to be staying with me. Cause you up out of there. Look, you are gone in Jesus name. All right, so Diane on YouTube said, I would also come to their house for a visit. I might not say anything about it, but hope he would confess. That would be the hope. That would be the hope. 
But what if in his confession, he says, yeah, I saw TT there. What if he says, I saw you. And then your friend would turn to you and say, why didn't you tell me you saw him at the restaurant? Look, tell me this ain't a BET movie. <laughs> tell me it's not. Cause they're turning to you saying, why didn't you tell me such and such was there? Oh my goodness. I'm gonna put a bow on this one in just a moment. Uh, Camila says, snap a picture of the two of them together, crop the picture and send it to my friend and ask her if she knows her. So crop just the girl's face. Hey, you know this girl? Hey, you know this person? Just a random person. So she says she brought the situation in. She's just asking, hey, you know this one female right here? And then if it turns, and depending on how she responds, you can show her the whole picture. Sheila says some messengers are all the way petty even miserable and want some company. That's true. That's true. And maybe that's why, um, their friends come for them instead of the guy. Camila says, ask him why I didn't say something. I don't know what you mean. Let me go to your, uh, higher comment. Send it to my friend and ask her if she knows her. Ask him why I didn't say something. Oh, you're going to have to break that down for me, Camila. All right. One final comment on this says, T says, now, if it's my bestie, I'm going over there like, what's up? That's what I'm saying. That's just me. I will go over there and say, sis, what's, what's happening over here? Don't quit. Don't be useless with pussy. Guys, I want to uh, kind of put a bow on this segment of what would you do? I want to speak to two different things. One about the race thing and then one about um, the relationship piece that we just talked about. Um, and then get to your final comments if you have any in this space. When it comes to racism at work, you want to grow in a way or develop in a way to where you feel strong enough to stand up for right. And I believe that when you stand up for right with the right motives, God will take care of you because some of us have sacrificed standing up for right because we did not want to lose our job. We didn't want to risk a bad situation or impacting our livelihood standing for right. But I would like for you to consider standing for right, but trusting God while you do it. What does that look like? That means you may file a complaint a complaint to HR. I don't care if you work in a grocery store or McDonald's. There is always a process for filing a complaint against something that is wrong. If you hear a comment or a statement, you want to start documenting, writing down situations, the date, the time you want to have that thing on a document in an email or maybe a notebook, depending on what you're able to do. And you are tracking racist behavior if it is so why you will pray about when you pull the trigger but you want to be able to stand because it's the only way you're going to push racism out of your space unless it's called out unless the manager can open their eyes because some people do not recognize when racist things are being said around them because when they go home racist things are being said around them so when they come to work they don't know any difference so unless you're calling it out, you're not going to give people a chance to grow. And this charge is not just to white people or, or it's not just to black people. It's also to white people. 
if you hear someone make a comment like that as a white person, I would want you to, after the meeting, for example, ask me, hey, did you, I thought I heard, you know, somebody say this. Did you hear that too? And then they get a chance to say, oh, I didn't hear it. And if they didn't, that's fine. What it will show them is that you're an advocate for them, even if they didn't hear it. And it also, as a white ally, gives you a chance to say to the manager, hey, this person said this. I just don't think it belongs in this space. And it's also against blank core value of the company. You got a core value to, to put their behavior up against, you'll win every time. That's just that's just a tip, a corporate tip. Okay. Um, for the relationships with the friend. Y'all, we gave a lot of different ways we would handle it if we saw somebody like potentially cheating on our friend, okay? Whether it's a friend or a best friend. The Bible talks about the importance, again, of standing for righteousness and standing for right. And if I put myself in the place of the friend who is potentially getting cheated on, I would want my friend to tell me what they saw. Here's why. I would want to be in a position where I'm not humiliated. I'm not hurt. And depending on your sexual lifestyle, I'm not potentially getting an STD because my friend did not tell me that he is ro- is showing romantic gestures towards another person for me. Because I want to make sure that I am living with my eyes open. I'm not running from problems, but I am facing them head on. And so my prayer for all of us is that you would be that friend to help support another, no matter the situation. So we know the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. And the Bible says that good friends make each other better. No matter the situation or difficulty you may be in with a racist coworker or um, a relationship of some sort, ask yourself, how can I make this person and make this situation better? Even if it's temporary, jobs to be temporary. How can I make this better? I gotta tell you guys, I thought about uh, former racist coworkers that I've had when all of this Black Lives Matter and stuff hit the, um, hit the, hit the society, the media, hit all the things. <laughs> and I literally thought to myself and I pray, I'm like, God, show them, show them. Because somewhere deep inside, I believe God is reminding them of a conversation or two I've had. He's showing my boss Whoa, was this what she was dealing with even outside of work? Is this what led her to bring that statement up to me? One time my boss actually sat down with me and was like, hey, you know, um, we need, we're trying to do this minority project. You know, I don't know anything about, you know, different races. Can you take this on? Literally handed me her work. It almost put my job, my promotion like at the expense of it. Like if you're, if you don't do this well, we can't promote you. So I've been in a lot of different situations where I, I'm like, God, when I leave this, I want this place to be better. I don't want it to be worse because I was here. Whether it's a friendship, whether it's a work situation or whatever it may be, iron sharpens iron. You should be iron 
no matter what. Let's say you're in a friendship that starts to, you know, over time, it starts to dull. And you're like, man, we are just not clicking. This thing is just not working anymore. I don't know what's going on with this. Whatever the situation may be, be iron. Be iron. You hear me? That means you tough. That means if anything tries to come up against you, that thing is either going to get cut or sharpened. Look, somebody said they semi-petty. Don't be going around cutting people. But if somebody with some jaggedy edges tries to come around you, the way you conduct yourself is that to sharpen them. They may not feel like they're getting sharp at the moment because maybe you're bringing up an issue of racism or you're bringing up some situation that made you uncomfortable or... You're challenging something. So they don't recognize in the moment that you're making them better, but you are. But you are. And the same thing is reversed. Let's bring balance. You are also allowing yourself to be sharpened by everything God has put, placed you, every place God has placed you. So if you're on a job you don't like, you're not around there a dull knife. You are allowing that environment to sharpen you in patience, to sharpen you in um, an excellence in your work, to sharpen you in skill development, whatever it may be. You can allow the environment to sharpen you, but it sharpens you most when you don't like it. When you're at a job that you really like and you're comfortable, a lot of times you're not growing as much as you could in an environment where you really don't like it. Because there's a whole set of skills that you put on when you're in a space that you don't like. Oh, you scrapping. You trying to make this thing happen. It's a whole nother thing, right? So I want you guys to always be the iron. Yes, on YouTube, she says, I'm going to be iron in Jesus name. That's right. Be iron. No matter what tries to push you out of the character of iron, you are iron, sis. Bro, you are tough and you make people better all around you. That is the goal. That is what we want up in here. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. Um, and I say that one because I'm seeing your names and I love seeing you guys support me. Um, there are some things that God's put on my heart. We're kind of going to a different space right now. There are some things that God has put on my heart that he wants me to begin And right now, I believe it'll be in the fall that I begin those things. And so um, it makes me nervous. A lot of times that's because I I can take on things like really um, blindly. Like I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And I can just jump into something, whether I feel equipped for it or not. I'm like, oh, God will teach me. Let me just move. There's a trust I have in God in certain areas. Not as much as in, in all areas. It's not equal. But there is some that I do. And I feel like God is putting on my heart for me um, to launch something or to do this particular thing. And I'm sensing it'll be more in the fall that I do it. Um, But it will definitely service all of you guys um, better. And I believe it will make everyone better that comes in contact with it. And so I'm taking, you know, time out over these next couple of months or just setting aside time to develop it. And to pray through the planning and the details and all of the things to make sure it's where it's supposed to be um, for the fall. And so that is um, that is where I am. 
So I'm just really honored and excited to be able to work on something like this that is so intimidating. I'm debating about whether or not I should document this growth process on YouTube and drop videos just kind of showing you guys of like how I'm working on it and the ups and downs of working on this thing um, because I believe there's things inside of all you guys too to do and launch and start. And so... Um, if I feel like that video will help you, I will show you guys, um, which you're, of course, you can always comment and share with me if you think it will. Um, but yeah, so next uh, week is um, June 29th. So the week after that, we're going to do our monthly raffle. So if you have not gone to ispriscillabee.com and signed up for the mailing list, you're not going to be able to be a part of the raffle because I pulled directly from that list for my winner. Um, also I wanted to just, uh, remind you guys that we're here every Monday at one o'clock central one ish. Okay. Can I just say that 1 PM ish central guys, I did the math on these episodes and my 54th episode, I'm finished with these two things. My 54th episode, meaning my one year mark of podcasting is on my birthday, September 28th. I could not have planned this myself. What? September 28th is my 54th episode. So it would go from now. This season will go from, so I decided this season will go from now, 14 more weeks until my birthday on September 28th. And that will be my one year. And then I will likely take a break um, for a couple of weeks um, and then likely launch, um, in October, um, uh, October, November timeframe, um, what it is that God has put on my heart, um, and go from there. So that's, that's what's all, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. It's so crazy. I was doing pre-planning over my vacation. I was like, well, let me write out these episodes, at least start getting my framework together. Oh my goodness. Here's another win guys. And I'm thinking about bringing a win segment to the podcast. Y'all. I hit 500 subscribers on YouTube. Oh my goodness. I hit 500 subscribers this weekend on YouTube. I am proud of that. I know we, we follow people who got millions and tens of thousands. I don't care. I have been trying to provide value on YouTube and people have been following and subscribing. And I have 500 subscribers. I am so proud of that, guys. Um, super proud of that. So I'm really grateful. So thank you to all of you who definitely watch on YouTube. Oh, thanks so much on YouTube. Thanks so much on Facebook for the love. Um, but God is doing something. And I am, uh, I may do an episode on just like what baby steps really are. And being comfortable with baby steps. Because y'all, I've been baby stepping for a minute. And I'm chilling. I am chilling. Wow. That's how I should put 500. That is so cool looking, Andrea. <laughs> I like that. I have to announce it later, these 500. So I'm really excited. But I love you guys dearly. I'm not going to drag this on. I'm going to hop off now. But I will see you guys at 1 o'clock next Monday. And I'll see you on YouTube this week. As well as see you guys on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, but I'm definitely on Instagram. And you're definitely going to catch me on YouTube. I think a little bit more actively. Alright. Love you guys. Have a great day. Don't quit.
Don't be useless with passing